a podcast shedding light on how healing is an inside job. Keys to your inner power and total transformation. Discussing wholeness, wellness, and the effects of the mind on the physical and energetic parts of our being. Sacred knowledge that inspires us to look within, to find our own unique path. Release and rewire to become what you truly are, strong, whole, and empowered. Welcome to the Empowered Mind, Empowered Health podcast for the Conscious Game Changers with Dr. Jane. Please like, share, and subscribe. Just be the wave. Today we have Maury Zelkovich. Maury, you have developed an incredible mind and brain product called the Quantum Mind Method, which is really, really interesting. Welcome, Maury. Thank you very much for having me, Jane. I really appreciate the opportunity to be. And Maury, I know you've decided to become an expert on the effects of sound on the brain. Tell us your story and how the quantum mind method came to be. Okay, so the first 40 odd years of my life were very odd years of my life. I was severely depressed. And if you look at the darkest black, if you could see something dark and black in your room or on your monitor, imagine that would be the brightest sunny day. I used to wake up every single morning, literally for decades, fingers crossed, open the window shades or blinds wherever I happened to be, and hope I would see mushroom clouds. Because if I saw mushroom clouds, it meant I didn't have to live through another day. That's how depressed I was. I uh, tried to kill myself at least six or seven times that I can remember. But let's face it, if you want to die, it's not that hard to do it. So I think more of me wanted to live than wanted to die. And that's why I kept sabotaging my attempts. So when I realized I couldn't die, I figured I had to find a way to live. And that started me on a multi-decade year lifetime journey of learning about what's going on and why it's going on so that I could help myself. I didn't feel it was worthwhile to go through life the way I was feeling. So I started researching intensely and I decided to figure out what my problem is first. <laughs> and of course, my problem was my thinking. It was up here. So I thought, okay, what is here? Well, hopefully I've got a brain. Although at the time I wasn't so sure, but I had a brain and I thought, okay, so what is it about a brain that can cause the way I felt? And I was researching, I was researching neurobiology. I researched quantum physics, neurochemistry, neurology in general. Now I'm not a doctor, but I did all of this on my own, uh, going to libraries and looking online when online started coming to be a thing. And I started learning that there was a progression. So thoughts actually create brainwave activity, which creates more thoughts, which creates more brainwave activity. But the interesting thing about brainwave activity, which many of you might know as things like alpha, beta, theta, delta, or gamma, depending on the frequencies generated and the locations of these frequencies in the brain, 
your brain releases neurotransmitters, endorphins, and hormones, all these little neurochemicals. And that soup that gets created is literally what allows you to feel what you feel. So if you're interested listening to what I'm saying, that's because you've kind of decided to be interested. So your brain creates neural, neural activity, which then creates neurochemistry, which then allows you to feel what you're feeling, which would be interest. When you're turned on, when you're turned off, when you're excited, when you're bored, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're agitated, when you're anxious, when you're depressed, when you're anything, you feel nothing without that chemistry. So once I had realized that this was the progression, I thought, okay, I need to change my thinking because that's the most natural thought. Because if I change my thinking, if I'm right, that should change my chemistry, which would then change more thinking. The problem I had with that was no matter what I did to try to, you know, because I'm researching, I'm researching, no matter what I did to try to figure out what's going on and how I can change my thoughts, they were too ingrained. Too many years, I guess, of, of just being ingrained mm -hmm. into my psyche, into my being. I had too many non-serving belief systems going on in my head. And no matter what I tried, I couldn't actually get them to cooperate with me yeah. to think something else and then to create different chemistry. So what I ended up doing was I tried that and it didn't work. And then I thought, well, what are other ways to change my chemistry? Because again, the chemistry is creating the thoughts. So the other ways to change the chemistry would be to actually change chemistry. So I became a sex addict. I became an alcoholic. I became a druggie and a million other things. Anything I could take that would alter my chemistry, my brain chemistry. And I found none of that helped me either. Maybe a couple of minutes of distraction. I know I shouldn't be saying that when I said I'm a sex addict and it only gave me a couple of minutes of distraction, but it's true. That and the drugs and the alcohol and all the other stuff I was doing really didn't help at all. So that was two strikes. And every time you think you're onto something and you strike out, it makes you more and more depressed. So I got even more depressed. And then I thought, well, what? Okay, I can't change my thinking. At the time, doctors weren't prescribing pills for every psychic issue you have or psychological issue that you may have. And because they weren't, the doctors all said, hey, you're coping really well. You know, there's really nothing we can do to help you. So I didn't see a reason to cope. I kept looking. And I realized maybe there's a way for me to change my brainwave activity because that's just part of the ladder, right? One rung, another rung, one rung is thought, another rung is the brain activity, another rung is the chemistry, and so on. So I tried the chemistry. I couldn't make that work for me. I tried the thinking. That I couldn't make that work for me. I was down to what I thought might be my last ditch effort, which was changing the brainwave activity itself, which would change, you know, as long as I'm right, it would change the chemistry. And as long as I'm right, that chemistry would then change naturally how I felt or how I was thinking. And that, as it turned out, was the trick. So I researched, I researched and I researched, and I found something called brainwave entrainment, which uses sound or pulsing lights or different types of stimulation to what's called entrain your brain. Now your brain is made up of millions and billions of neurons. Your neurons are basically brain cells. So what this stimulation does, or the idea behind the stimulation of the sound or the light or whatever, 
is to present a steady frequency. So a frequency is conceptualized as on off on off so many times a second. A lot of people are familiar with alpha or theta. So let's say alpha might be 10 hertz. 10 hertz means the cell is pulsing 10 times a second, on off on off on off on off. And again, that releases chemistry. So I decided what if I could change my brainwave activity? If I could do that, then my thoughts should change because my chemistry should change. It doesn't matter what part of the ladder, what part of the chain you interrupt. As long as you can find an adequate and efficient way to interrupt that part of the chain, all the other links, all the other rungs should be changing automatically after that. That was my theory anyway. So when I heard about brainwave entrainment, I started researching it like crazy because I thought, well, here's a great way. It's uninvasive. You don't take chemicals. You don't have to learn a course. You don't have to take notes. You don't have to study. It's simply exposing yourself to these sounds and this stimulation. And naturally, through a feature in your brain called the frequency following response, kind of like monkey see, monkey do, your neurons start following these frequencies. And as they follow the frequencies, they naturally emit and release different neurochemicals, which then make you feel different. So I spent years and years studying neurobiology, quantum physics, all these different things. And I came up with techniques that ended up changing how I was thinking because it changed my neurochemistry. And that is basically the genesis in about 10 minutes, I guess, of how I started, why I started, and how I create what I create. Right. So from what I understand, we are programmed mostly from zero, from ages zero to seven, and that these circuits can develop in that time. And depending what we're exposed to, like it's like a, a full on recording, like our brain records everything. So some of these circuits can become very debilitating later in life because they still exist. Sure. And so what you're saying is that you can break those circuits with this entrainment. Like, I wouldn't call it breaking them. I would call it reprogramming them. Reprogramming. Look at your, look at your computer. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know how old many of you might be out there. But even if you're you know, 20 or 25, operating systems on your phone or on your computer have changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And their abilities have also changed quite a bit. I remember uh, original cell phones. They had some odd little video games, you know, pixelated video games, but they could make phone calls. That's all they could really do. And then they were able suddenly with upgrades to the technology to access something called the internet and the internet evolved and all these things evolve and change and grow. And as they evolve and change and grow, something like this is now more powerful than a supercomputer that the military might've used 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, literally satellites orbiting the earth have smartphones attached as their CPU, as their central processing unit. So that's what happens with your brain too. So we can upgrade ourselves by literally changing that programming. And even though, yes, our most influential states might be zero to seven, it doesn't mean you can't reprogram yourself afterwards and you can't change that programming afterwards. And the truth is you're designed to constantly be changing your operating system and how you work and how you think. And the proof is in the pudding for this because we are happy or we are sad. We feel good or we feel bad. These are not arbitrary emotions or feelings. 
we may think, oh, I'm having a good day. I feel good. I'm having a bad day. I feel bad. I wake up. I feel crappy. I didn't sleep well, whatever. The truth is feeling bad or feeling good are nothing more than indicators. They're like sensors. So if you're driving your car and the brake light comes on, you better take care of it. If the engine light comes on, you better take care of it. If you feel bad, you better take care of it. It's all the same thing. All it is is an early warning system telling you something is up. You're doing and or thinking something that is bad for you. Or in a physiological case, like physical case, maybe you have something physical going on. And if you go to the hospital, you go to a doctor, you do a little research yourself, you change your diet, you know, you can do many different things that can positively influence you, but you have to listen to the messages that your mind and your body gives you because you get all the messages you need. It's just that most of us have been taught how to tune them out and ignore them and not pay attention for them or to them for the power that they are and that they can give you. Right. Because eventually these, these thoughts will affect the physical body. Oh, for sure. And yeah. And to even you probably were, you did experience going on antidepressants where you just basically numb out and don't deal with what's really going on. Yeah. Actually the doctors never gave me any of those. Okay. When I went to see doctors, I was in my teens and late teens. And back in those days, they just didn't give pills for stuff. Yeah, for that kind of thing. No. So just tell us more of what your depression, because many people experience depression, like what that felt like for you and your body and how debilitating it actually was. And then, sure. yeah, and, and then we'll get more into how you transformed it. Okay. So I walked around most of my youth on crutches or a cane because I had horrible leg spasms caused from stress and nervous tension and depression. I, when I saw people laughing on the street, if I was walking on the street and I saw people laughing, they were laughing at me. You know, the whole world revolved around me. A very e people who are depressed tend to be quite egocentric as well. Uh, not, you know, something to be embarrassed about. It just is a feature of depression because they're withdrawn within themselves. Yeah. And, uh, I had thousands and thousands of voices in my head all the time, every waking moment from the second I woke up to the second I went to like actually lost consciousness and fell asleep. Uh, thousands of voices. Occasionally I could make out a word, but it wasn't like I was getting messages, <laughs> you know, people telling me things. It was just like if you were at a concert or something and it was intermission, yeah. right? And thousands of people are talking and it was about the volume that we're talking at now. That's what I was hearing it at as well. So I heard thousands and thousands of voices. I had nonstop injuries, broken bones, pretty much every bone in my body broken. I've broken, I don't know if, what do you think of my nose? <laughs> I broke it hundreds of times. So yeah. many times, yeah. And I used to get people asking me, where did you get your nose fixed? You say you were like accident prone, we would say. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. But it was probably me trying to hurt myself. Yeah. Right. Because it comes from an unconscious often driven from an unconscious thought pattern. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, there's the subconscious, the unconscious and the conscious mind. Yeah. So the unconscious deals with things now, keep in mind, they're all the same thing. They're just different function sets of the same thing. So the unconscious might deal with things like uh, keeping your heart beating 
and your lungs inflating and deflating and your, you know, your blood moving through the different fibers and your immune system and all these kinds of things. Right. It's like the autonomic nervous system. And then you have the, un the subconscious, which is like the ruler of the roost. And a lot of people say that the subconscious kind of rules your life. It's 60, 70, 80, 90% of what you do is from the, or from the subconscious. And the subconscious um, is what you record all information in the subconscious. Right. And it gets acted on there. But the information comes from the conscious mind. Right. So even though you might hear that the subconscious has been allocated 85% of who you are and the conscious is only 15, they're actually valued at the same. Because without the conscious mind, the subconscious doesn't get anything. Right. So everything is all connected. And, and keep in mind that these are not three different brains squeezed together in your head. No. You have one brain and your subconscious, your conscious, and your unconscious. They're all part of the same organism. It's like, you know, my hand includes a thumb, fingers, and a palm, and then a wrist, and then all the muscles and connected tissues. So, you know, science separates these things so that they can describe different functions, different traits, but there is no difference. You're, you're not at odds with your own consciousness. The subconscious doesn't fight with the conscious mind ever right. or the unconscious. So a lot of people have been taught the conception that these things are all separate organisms and they're not. And when you believe in something that is wrong, then you tend to make decisions based on that wrong information and decisions made based on wrong information will only create more upheaval for you. It will not create peace and harmony. Peace and harmony comes from understanding or at least an understanding that is more beneficial for you. And when you realize that the way you feel is really a neurochemical reaction, just like adding a flame to gasoline creates an explosion, you know, it's exactly the same thing. It's a neurochemical reaction. That's why you feel the way you feel. So when we understand that, we can then do things that can influence us in a positive way and we can feel well. So many people go through life. It's terrible, Jane. They go through life thinking, this is who I am. This is what I did for decades. <laughs> this is who I am. Mm -hmm. But it isn't who you are because if it was, it would feel good. It's your natural red light on the dashboard of your life telling you something is amiss, something is wrong. If you break your leg and you don't feel pain, you might get up and keep walking on it. And then eventually you may lose its use. It may get infected and you may even lose your leg. You may even die just because you broke a leg and you didn't feel pain, so you didn't take action. Pain is a benefit. Pain is good. Pain tells you something is urgently wrong. You need to take care of it. Yeah. The trick is, in many cases, we can avoid that urgent pain by paying attention to the discomfort that we get earlier on. Pay attention to that close call that you had yesterday in your car. Don't just slush it off. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to the time you walked up your stairs or down your stairs and you stubbed your toe. Because those are little nothings. But they're warnings saying you're not paying enough attention when you're walking upstairs. You're not paying attention enough attention when you're driving your car. See, we get these messages all the time, but we haven't been taught to pay attention to them. We're taught to pay attention to pain. We're not taught to pay attention to good, yeah. to feeling good. When was the last time, Jane, you thought of the big toe on your left foot? Well, exactly, right? And like when you do stub your toe or do something like that, it's because you're distracted by your own stress. Yeah. 
which is me, which means you're in your subconscious mind, right? You're, you're replaying. Well, again, you're not really, that's just a way of conceptualizing. You're just yeah. not thinking about your environment. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Well, you're not in the moment. Would you that say? might be, that might be the total case too. Definitely. Cause in the moment you'd know there was another stair there, <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead of smashing your foot into it. That's actually very well put. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I like your story of how, you know, you'd be walking down the street and you, and if someone laughed, you would think that they're laughing at you. Oh, quite and literally. I could see them laughing and pointing at me. They weren't, they could no. even be facing in a totally different direction, but I would think they were laughing at me. Right. And for me, it came from, I, I grew up in a situation where my family was ostracized from a very small town. And so I always felt people were pushing me out of the group, like if something happened, even random. And so once I become a, what became aware of this and treated myself for that and reprogrammed, then I can laugh at it and realize that's not true, right? And, and then choose a different path. That's so, right. yeah, so that is that, that's what has happened to you. Yes, and, and that's the real trick. You said it exactly right there. Uh, we feel when we're depressed or in many other situations, actually, that we're, we have no power. We have no control. It's COVID. It's our families. It's our ministers or priests or rabbis or whoever's. It's our friends. It's our teachers. It's our bosses. It's always, it's our government, right? It's always something else that we project we become the way we feel onto and that's right and then we become a victim when we're a victim of someone else we can't do much about that because what can you do against your government to stop them from taxing you what can you do to stop you know wars from happening in the world what can you do personally to stop covid from hurting and and killing people around you there's not a lot you can do to stop other people but there's a lot you can do to stop yourself and there's a lot you can do to help yourself. And when you, because no one really gives away their power. It's impossible to give away your power, just like it's impossible not to live in the moment. The trick is to bring your attention to the moment. Because you can't live. It's impossible physically to live anywhere but in the moment. We live forever because we're always in the moment. Yeah. Right? But you need to understand that you disempower yourself. You know, if I'm looking for this pen, and I don't look in my hand. So I'm not looking in my hand. It's gone. It's out of my field of view. And now I'm looking here and I'm looking up and I'm looking around and I'm looking down. Now I'm looking to see if your horse back there has chewed it and <laughs> grabbed it from you. Or maybe you stole it from me or you have it, right? I'm looking and I'm looking and I can't find, oh, here it is. Most of our answers are already here. When yeah. we look outside of ourselves, we don't do ourselves justice. That's when we're giving away or thinking like we're giving away our power. I've had the pen the whole time. I've had the power the whole time. But because I believed I didn't have it, I couldn't see it right in front of me. And that's the trick. We all have power. We all have it. We always have power. And we all can change things in our own lives because our belief systems are what created our experience now. So there's no reason why we can't alter those beliefs and thus alter our experiences as well. And yeah. that's what I use the brainwave entrainment for. Because again, it's a hard cycle to break out of 
when you've been taught over years and in my case, decades, or even over weeks or months, you know, time is relative. So someone who's depressed for 10 minutes in their life isn't any better off than me who was depressed for 40 years of my life. Because the only time you can be depressed is now. If someone's depressed right now and it's the first time in their lives, their depression is no less important than mine was for 40 years because we're both experiencing it now. Yeah. But once you understand that, you can move forward. It's all about understanding. And that's why I felt I had to understand what was going on in my brain. It was neurochemical. It was thought processes that were creating those chemicals. Now, what can I do to change one of the links so that it changes the direction? It's like uh, irrigation. You know, you have a river and you have a farm. If you cut little paths out of the river, then these the water flows into these little gutters, if you will, and irrigates your farm. And now you can grow all kinds of beautiful, whole, organic, because that's what we all grow now, right? Foods, right. as opposed to having dry fields that nothing grows in. And your brain's the same way. You can irrigate your brain. You can make it stronger. You can right. make it grow. You can make it develop. You can make it your best ally. Yeah. And I always like, it's, it's so much easier to say than to do sometimes, but where your focus goes is where your energy flows. Right. So True. I'd also, let's just talk for a sec about how, you know, you were saying the brain is all one in the same and connected. And I think it's important for people to realize that the unconscious does actually control much of the automatic things that go on in our body, like our breathing and our heart rate and our, even our stress response and how a wound heals. All those yeah. things are done automatically. But the, so the unconscious mind, which looks after all those automatic things, is part of the brain and closely linked to the subconscious and the conscious mind, right? So we can actually affect our health more than we think we can. Oh, sure. There's lots of evidence and there's lots, you know, go to Google Scholar. Uh, for those of you who don't want to read the roughage that's out there on Google and you want to get more reliable information, just do a search for Google Space Scholar and you'll get the Google Scholar site, which actually has medical research and scientific research papers and documents and all kinds of things from universities and hospitals. And you'll see that just the general field of meditation can actually in as little as six weeks meditating, I think like 20 minutes or an hour a day can actually change physical structures in the brain. Which in turn help the physical is what it helps all kinds of things. Yeah. As an example, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala and the amygdala is better known by most people in the real world as the reptile brain. So the reptile brain is known most for its flight and fight response and the panic centers and things like that. Now, the interesting thing is studies have shown that, and again, we're talking about just meditation, ordinary meditation, every, week, every day for half an hour, 15 minutes. I'd have to look at the research to get the actual timing. But the amygdala actually shrank in size. And when it shrinks in size, its control over you shrinks as well doesn't mean it's not there for when you need it. But one of the reasons why it might be expanded is because we use it too much. 
you know, we get stress hormones like cortisol and things like that. People get that massive spare tire around their waist as a, is one of the physical or physiological results of too much cortisol. Cortisol is like fantastic. We need it in emergencies. It's a hormone that is required for our survival, but it's designed to be there occasionally under duress when you need it, not to be produced 24 seven. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, even when you were a teenager and you would imagine people were laughing and for me that I was being pushed out of the group, you immediately go into the stress response. Yeah, that's correct. You get stressed and then you don't think clearly when you're stressed and, and stress is like a snowball going down a mountainside. It just, you know, it's repetitive negative thoughts that are reflexively coming over and over and over again. Uh, it's like if you don't like the sound of nails on a chalkboard and someone does it once, you go, <laughs> but if someone's doing it nonstop for hours, it's torture. Yeah. Yeah. And then your blood pressure goes up, your cortisol goes high and all kinds of other cascades. Like you say, there's this whole uh, physiological cascade that happens in the brain and in the body. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like Bruce Lipton talks about this. Yeah. And yeah. And you brilliant person. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. He's, I read his books when I was in my twenties and they really affected like my way, the way I look at health and well being. Thus what I love what you're saying. Love it. So let's talk more about uh, how, how your sound affects the brain and breaks these patterns because i know there's some schumann resonance that's one of the recordings i do uh schumann resonance yes yeah do you want to start there i love sure. talking about the schumann okay resonance. so the schumann resonance is generally accepted as the magnetic frequency of our planet it's kind of like an umbrella frequency that's uh envelops the whole planet now it's known commonly as 7.83 hertz, which means it's a pulse rate of 7.83 times a second that it actually pulses. And I know it's hard to conceptualize 0.83 of a pulse, <laughs> but it's there. Now, this is a generalized average. It's kind of like not everyone has a standard body temperature. Some people are higher, some people are lower, and it's normal, it's fine. It's the same thing with the Schumann resonance. So depending on your altitude, depending on the weather, depending on your location on the planet, the magnetic frequency is different. But this is an average frequency that you could assume would be how human beings have more or less evolved with this umbrella over them. So the Schumann resonance can be used for very relaxing meditative states. It's very grounding because let's face it, we're all children of the planet and to be cuddled by the planet, which is what we do when we're exposed to the Schumann resonance in a recording, is a very nice place to be, kind of like being nuzzled up against mommy when you're a newborn. Mm -hmm. So what happens is we, my recordings have a specific pulse rate where the pulses are perfectly shaped because if the pulses are not perfectly shaped, the brain will see the difference or notice the difference, and your level of entrainment will suffer as a result. So all of my patterns that I use in supplementing or creating the entrainment process involve rep repetitive tones, not just in how they sound, but in how they actually behave and how they're shaped. This way, the brain has a much easier time 
and training or following these frequencies. So basically you have a pulse on and it's off, on, off, on, off. And depending on how many times it's on a second, that's the rate. So with the Schumann again, it's 7.83 Hertz. That releases different neurochemicals. Now what's important to understand is two things. One thing is that we're never in one state only. So if someone says I'm an alpha, if they know what they're talking about, they're not necessarily saying they're in alpha, like every neuron is in alpha. But what it means is that they're in an alpha state, which is dominant. So most of the neurons they're assuming are in an alpha state. But in reality, I'm talking to you and most people would assume oh, I'm awake and alert. Do I look awake, awake and alert, Jane? <laughs> Maybe yeah. I don't. I don't know. I feel awake and alert anyway. So if you think I'm awake and alert, most people who know anything about brainwave activity would say, oh, well, Maury is obviously in beta. You might be surprised to learn that my dominant frequency is probably delta. I've hooked myself up to EEGs. And when I am in my zone like I am now, I actually have more of dominant frequencies in delta than I do in beta. But regardless, you always have alpha, theta, delta, gamma, you know, all of these states are always there. It's just a matter of saying which one is dominant. And often in our world, we don't have dominant frequencies for very long periods of time. And that's a problem because let's go, can we go back in time millennia to when our ancestors lived in caves? What was life? Well, we, let's start from waking up. We wake up, we gather and eat. We go to the washroom, we have sex, we gather and hunt, we have dinner. Well, we didn't call it that, but we ate again. We maybe had sex again, and then we went to sleep. And this just kept repeating. Now, believe it or not, that is a much less stressful existence than what we have today. And I'm not just talking about because of COVID, I'm talking in general. Yeah, yeah. Much easier. There's no taxes. There's nothing to worry about. Everyone lived in the moment. There was nothing else. There was no concept of time. You were here, then you weren't, period. That was life. Much less stress. So it's reasonable to assume then, because of that, because life was so much more simple, that our brainwave activity would also have been more stable because there'd be less going on, less to influence it. So there'd be likely an opportunity for our brains to have stable dominant frequencies for longer periods of time than we do now. Why is that important? Because our bodies and our minds are designed to operate optimally when they function optimally. And yes, our brains are subtly different from how they were thousands and thousands of years ago. That's true. But essentially, they operate on the same principles, just like we had eyes back then and a nose back then and ears back then and a mouth back then. A lot has changed, but a lot hasn't changed. The brain is still designed to operate optimally the way it was originally designed, which means we had stable brainwave patterns for longer periods of time, meaning we got better and larger quantities of naturally occurring neurochemistry because of naturally occurring brain activity. Now we fast forward to the future, which is now, and we're lucky if we get a stable brainwave activity for more than a second or two, meaning our neurons aren't able to produce the basic brain chemistry and quantities of chemistry and types of chemistry that our brains are designed to run on. Imagine riding a bicycle, 
and the front and rear tire are fully inflated. The brakes are brand new and perfectly adjusted. The steering is perfectly adjusted. Everything is great. Now imagine that's, that bicycle is us back in prehistoric times. Now the bicycle today, the front tire is flat. The rear tire is semi-inflated. The seat is on an angle. The steering is wobbly. The brakes don't work. That's the difference. It's not a big surprise that we have such a hard time coping and that we're so depressed and that we're so depressed. And I said it twice because it's important, but also that we're so stressed out and agitated and anxious all the time too, because we are not producing the natural chemistry that our bodies and brains are designed to operate on. Despite the fact that we're modern, you know, humankind, we are still very, very close to our origins from an evolutionary standpoint. And our brains are designed to operate just like your car. If you put the wrong type of gas in the engine, it's not gonna run right. If you put windshield washer fluid in your oil you know, container, it's not gonna run right. This is what we're doing to ourselves. This is why brainwave entrainment is so important. I'm not saying it's the be all and the end all. I'm not saying you don't need anything else, but I am saying that when we use brainwave entrainment regularly, we begin to retrain our brain so it learns how to achieve those natural states. It's not about you becoming supernatural. It's about you becoming natural. You have not likely lived in a natural state for more than a second or two every day for your entire life since you started becoming aware around you. So when you were a baby, when you were uh, you know four or five years old, as you got closer to six or seven, when you start understanding that you can be autonomous, that your parents aren't God, all these things start happening, that you start understanding you have this, but your friends have more of it. Why do they have more? As soon as all this starts imposing on you, that's when you start losing your ability to be natural. Yeah. And that's where entrainment really has its, you know, plays a starring role because all you need to do ordinary stereo over the ear headphones. I got these things for like $12, $10. I don't even remember off of Amazon or was it Walmart? I can't remember, but they're really, really, really inexpensive. You lie down or you sit with head support. You close your eyes, you hit play, comfortable volume. That's it. Everything happens automatically. There's nothing to study. There's nothing to learn. There's nothing to practice. Yeah. Basically you take a nap two, three times a day. <laughs> And it, what it does is put you into a, a deep, relaxed state. And um, what I noticed is that you feel it in not just in your mind, but your whole body actually feels it. And I could feel places that were tense, like actually tingling to relax. Like it was really interesting. My hands are tingling now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is the, you know, when we were cavemen, we would mostly and women. <laughs> and women. We would mostly live in in with nature and do. We were calmer, and maybe we'd have these moments where the tiger was coming, which would be high stress. Mm -hmm. Then we'd return to nature and calmness. And what about the food? Much better quality food back then too. Right. And and something people need to understand is: let me ask you a question, Jane, and everybody out there. Tell me, by a show of hands. I will psychically be able to see <laughs> how many people out there are hearing what I'm saying. They hear my voice and hear Jane's voice. Are you hearing my voice, Jane? I hear your voice. No, you're not. 
and nobody out there is hearing my voice either and they're not hearing yours and they've never heard anything nobody on this planet no animal no beast nothing has ever heard anything in the history of life on this planet what has happened is we have these structures these holes in our head called ears and other animals have other ways of picking up vibration but all that's happening is vibration my voice i mean think about it close mm. your mouth and hum any frequency you want mm, you feel the vibration mm -hmm. that's all it is it's vibration when the frequency goes into your ear it gets distributed to different regions of the brain where it gets interpreted as what we call sound if everyone out there had the ability to create a five second recording of my voice the way they hear it every single person's recording will sound subtly different because that's their brain subtly interpreting the tone of my voice the structure of my voice differently that's another reason why brainwave entrainment works so well. You hear this pulse sound. You hear the words that I might be using in some of my technologies. You hear the background shh noise, but you're not actually hearing any of that. It's all affecting you on a quantum level. It's all affecting you on a very basic vibratory level. Everything is vibrating. Everything has a frequency. And when you use that knowledge of frequency, you can help yourself in ways that you can't even imagine. For instance, I'm not listening to any recordings right now, but I'm talking about it. And do you know my hands are tingling and my feet are tingling? This is a classic response my body has. Not, not everybody feels that way, but my body has when I begin to entrain. So just talking about entrainment, I am entraining. It's a very healthy way to be. Look, we don't know how long we're here for. Just because someone is healthy and happy doesn't mean they're going to make it past 20 years old. But for the time you're here, for the now, you have a lot of power, a lot of ability to make that now something special yeah. and something wonderful. Well, if you think about it, you know, we're 80% water and sound is how we probably came into being. So it affects us profoundly, just sound alone, let alone how it you know, like you say, it entrains the way the brain is reacting to the yeah. world. So what is entrainment exactly? Just describe that as, as it's like you let you're you're changing the way that you're going from stress all the time, which most of us live in, to being able to switch to an, a calmer non stress, like allowing that ripple, right. ripple, those ripples out more often. Is that what you're saying? Well, what, what entrainment does is it changes your neurochemistry and it stabilizes brainwave activity to a degree. So if you're stressed, if you're agitated, you're releasing different neurochemicals and you have different brainwave activity. When we alter our brainwave activity, and it's a totally natural way to do it. I mean, we're designed to be able to do this through this feature I was mentioning before called the frequency following response. When you're listening to a favorite song and you're doing this mindlessly, you're, you're actually entraining to the music. You're going with the beat. You're tapping your foot. You know, you're this, you're that. The movements are natural. You're not trying to do them. They're just happening because your body, your cells are in training. So what happens is we have a frequency like bop, 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 bop. And if it's perfectly tuned and perfectly shaped over a number of minutes, depending on who you are, it could be seconds, your neurons start to follow. They do a monkey see, monkey do. They start to follow that frequency. So your neurons will start following by pulsing 
at a similar rate. So so your neurons start following that frequency. As they follow that frequency, they release different chemistry. And it's the different chemistry that allows you to feel differently. So when you feel relaxed, it's because you're getting chemistry that's associated with relaxation. You can use brainwave entrainment to feel energized as well. I have recordings that are energizing. Like you're very relaxed, but at the same time, you're, you, you're ready to go. I mean, you can use this before a game of golf or a game of hockey or football or baseball or tennis or whatever you want to play or swimming. And it makes things easier and smoother. I had a client in Greece who called me once he was freaking out because he swam every day. I mean, I can't imagine this, but he swam every day to an island and back. And he said that normally this was a three hour out, three hour back adventure. That is someone dedicated. <laughs> but he did it. And he did the whole thing in three hours, there and back. And he freaked out. And I said, look, it makes perfect sense to me what was happening. You were in the zone. You were totally relaxed. You weren't fighting yourself. You weren't thinking. You were just in flow, which meant you had less resistance. Your motions were likely more smooth and more effective and more efficient. So you'd use less energy to accomplish greater effect. Doesn't surprise me that you would be able to double your, you know, speed up your time or cut your time in half because you were probably more inefficient. You had more of a drag. The stroke you were using was like this, keeping your body like this, which created a lot more drag in the water. And you were probably more like this when you were actually swimming now. And it's amazing when we, again, understanding the dynamics of why something happens helps you to figure out more effective, more efficient ways of dealing with it and even accomplishing tasks. I worked for a company while I was developing all of this. And I remember that the job took eight hours. Everyone took eight hours to do. It was a video editing job. And uh, I did it all in four hours. And no one could understand why the people who knew because everyone else took eight hours to do it. And I was doing it in four simply because I was open to new ways of doing things because I was using the entrainment and that allowed me to come up with more effective, efficient ways to streamline processes. Everybody else did everything the way the guy previous to them did it. I innovated. I came up with better ways. It was faster. Right. Well, that, that, like you, it's so, <laughs> it's so important to talk about what is the zone, mm -hmm. you know, like when everything is in coherence, you're in the moment yeah. and it allows you to, like you say, tune into better ways because you're, you're tied into what is it? The field? You know? Sure. You become part, part of the field, right? I mean, I think we all are part of the field, but we think of each other as independent and individual. And because we do that, I mean, that's very nice uh, from a society standpoint. That, well, we have our individuality. Don't take away our individual rights. Don't do this. Don't do that. It all sounds very noble. But in reality, if it goes against nature, then you're not going to have a smooth, uh, you know, a succession in how you live your life if you believe you're completely independent and, and disconnected to everything and everyone around you. So I'm an individual, I'm this, I'm that. Well, you know what? Individual cells all have a use, but they're still part of a greater being. And I think human beings need to realize, yes, we are individual cells in the body of humankind. And when we start thinking of ourselves that way, 
that we're not taking away our rights. We're not taking away our liberties. We're not taking away anything by respecting other people, by doing things to help other people. Uh, we're actually helping ourselves. You know, a lot of people who are depressed, one of the things that they can do that costs them nothing, no money, no exercises, nothing, do volunteer work. By helping others, that is one of the most phenomenal ways to help yourself because you feel useful. You are useful. I mean, you're useful anyway, but it's a way to concretely show yourself that you can do good and you're useful and you're making a positive difference in one person's life and a hundred people's lives, whatever you're doing. You know, if you volunteer to pick up garbage off the street, then you're helping thousands and thousands of people because when I look at the street and I see garbage everywhere, it's depressing. When I look at a street and I'm driving down or walking down a sidewalk and it's clean and it's clear, that's refreshing. That feels good. You know, everybody's in the self-improvement business, whether you realize it or not, because everything you do is designed to help people live a better life, a happier life, an easier life. Yeah. We just need to change our attitudes around ourselves and how we live as a society to understand and to get a broader understanding of what we really are. If we're not happy, it's a sign that we're doing and or thinking something wrong. It's not a sign that we are miserable and we're supposed to be miserable and we were horrible people in a previous life. But if we think that, we have no power to change it. In reality, it's because the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, loves you like crazy and wants you to be happy. That's why he, she, it, whatever is giving you these experiences because you haven't been paying attention to the earlier messages. And if we don't listen to the earlier messages, just like, you know, when I was six, seven years old, I think I played hooky from school. I faked being sick and my mom was on the phone cooking while she's cooking lunch. I think she was talking to my aunt and I'm tugging at her mom, mom, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And she says, honey, Go play with your toys. I'm talking to your aunt. I'm making you lunch. So I backed off for a second. But then I saw on the stovetop, you know, the glowing from the element. And it just fascinated me. So I started reaching out. And my mom noticed. And she said, honey, don't do that. You'll burn yourself. Very loving, right? But of course, I'm an idiot. So I went in a second time and a third time and a fourth time. By the fifth time, she slapped my hand and yelled at me. Don't do that. You're going to burn yourself. That's five or six times that I didn't listen. The last time she didn't catch me and I had rings on my hands from the horrible burn that I gave myself and the pain was excruciating. And then I knew better. <laughs> but if I had listened to the first message, none of it had to happen. And I learned from that, that we all have these kinds of events the universe, God, your mom, <laughs> whatever, is giving you little hints, like I was talking about with the car or with the stubbing of the toe. If we pay attention to these little hints and give them the legitimacy and the respect that they're trying to give us, we will learn our lessons without necessarily having to be in pain, agony, discontentment, you know, yeah. sadness depression. All these things I believe could have been avoided had we paid attention. That being said, don't kick yourself. Understand it now. I'm hoping a lot of you have had an aha moment now because you're looking at this from a totally different angle. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 100 years old. 
you can still turn it around simply by understanding that if I listen to what's going on in my body and in my mind, and I give it respect and attention, my life can change for the better in a big, big, big way. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, we've all been through depressed states and mm -hmm. you do become more self-absorbed. And I remember, um, like, because you, you're, you're paying, you, you feel your own pain and you're focused on that, right? Yeah. But I've several times I've just said to the universe, and I, this is how I've got, and I've noticed how the change is rapid when I do this. So I, I do it more quickly now, like you say, you learn. But I'll say, how can I help? I'm here to serve. What can I do to help? And immediately there's this flush of love energy. You get back into the flow, doors open for you. Like it's incredible. So this is what you're, you're talking about. And, it's, and sometimes you need the entrainment to you know, get yourself back into this flow state. Yeah, it's like exercise. I mean, mm -hmm. if you exercise regularly, you know, you can exercise a lot in the beginning to get yourself where you want to be. And then you can exercise once or twice a week to maintain that. So it's the same thing with the brain. With my recordings, you can listen a lot in the beginning to get yourself where you want to be. And then you can cut back and have like a maintenance dose. But you have to keep doing it overall because you'll, if you exercise, let's say I'm 200 pounds overweight, and I want to lose that weight. So I exercise and I get myself feeling good and looking good and I'm healthier. And they go, all right, look at me in the mirror. I look amazing. I can stop and go back to who I was again. Well, you know what? When my actions go back to who I used to be, my body will follow. And so will my mind. So you need to just respect yourself. You, you need to understand that you're supposed to be happy regardless of what you think, regardless of what other people have tried to ingrain in you. Uh, if you're not happy, then whatever it is you believe in probably isn't right for you. You need to find alternative ways. And when you start feeling better, you'll know you're on the right track. Yeah. And somehow the mindset of how can I help ties you into the unified field and yep. it's expansive. It's the best thing you can do, you know, and just because you're young, uh, you know, someone's young holding, bags and I'm like 58 and I'm not holding bags. I have no problem holding the door for a guy or a girl who are in their teens just because I happen to be first through. You don't have to just hold the doors for someone infirm, <laughs> you know, or do nice things for people because they're older than you. If you have an opportunity to do something nice, take it because it makes you feel good. It yeah. will always make you feel good. Right. And the ripple effect is enormous. Oh, yeah. I remember being very sad and um, one day and someone held the door open for me. And it actually, I burst into tears, like the kindness. And yeah. they would never in a million years know, you know, the effect it had on me. But that's, that's the thing. That's too. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Maury, you have yeah. behind you a picture of a brain and one is chaos with a lot of purple and dark pinks and the other side is calm and there's like a pink strip right in the middle what what is what does that represent that's exactly true it these are not actual brain scans <laughs> okay it's just to so people can conceptualize uh what the brain might feel like with 
these incongruous patterns everywhere over my right shoulder. Oh, okay. And then using entrainment shows what can happen when the brain is more organized and more efficient. So again, these are not actual brain scans of what the brain looks like when it's, you know, confused or in a state of chaos or when it's in a state of calm and peace, but it's there to signify because it's easy for people to understand balance. We, we equate balance with normalcy, with calm, with beauty. So that's why calm is this shape. Chaos is this shape, but it signifies what brainwave entrainment can do. See the most important aspect of any of my products I had nothing to do with. It's your brain. That's what it is. Without your brain and without your willingness to listen properly, my products stink. They can't do a thing for you. But when you think about it, no product can do anything for you if you don't use it properly anyway. And the minute you use it properly, it's really you helping yourself. And that's, that's the whole point behind these, these pictures and the meaning behind them is that you can go from here to here, but you have to do it. My technology can help you. And you know what? A lot of other technologies can help you too. And a lot of other techniques can help you. Mine is not the only fantastic thing out there. There's lots of fantastic things out there. But if you don't use them, nothing can help you. You have to help yourself. And that's what you need to understand. It's all about you helping yourself here. Tools are tools. How many times has everyone out there used a hammer or a screwdriver? And I'd like to ask you the last time you were grateful for whoever it was that invented the hammer or the screwdriver. I'd like to encourage you to be, to start paying attention to these things and to start being grateful for every stupid little thing you have and every stupid little thing you use, a toothpick, a toothbrush, a hairbrush, uh, a piece of Kleenex, you know, think of it, think of a piece of Kleenex, for instance, how many people do you, should you be grateful for? Well, how about the person who invented Kleenex? How about the people who get all the raw materials to make the Kleenex? How about all the people in all the different factories and all the different areas who transport all of this material to the right places, to the right machines? And how about the people who invented and create the machines? How about the people who created the roads? Because without the roads, the product doesn't go anywhere. How about the people who created airplanes and invented airplanes and invented rubber and invented wires and invented metal and invented plastics and different things and different shapes and different, you could go on forever just about a piece of Kleenex. Yeah. And, and it could occupy the rest of your life thinking of all the millions and millions of people who you can be grateful for because they gave you this ability. They gave you the ability to wipe your nose or to blow your nose when you're congested. Millions and millions of people, totally unrelated, you would think. I mean, roads, who, who's grateful for the roads? Well, when you're driving on a road, you should be grateful for it. But you're grateful for the people who mined the materials to make the roads, the engineers who designed the roads, the uh, politicians even, who gave the okay to build the road there. You know, the traffic lights, the computer software, the software that goes into cars, that goes into this. I mean, you can go on forever. There's so many things to be grateful for that you could spend your entire life being grateful. And just imagine how good you'd feel <laughs> if all you felt was gratitude all the time. Well, I can tell you it's an amazing feeling. And now I haven't mastered feeling grateful all the time, but I'm grateful most of the time. And that is an amazing feeling to have, especially considering the 40 years of what I went through which I now believe was an education and something to be grateful for in itself. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You don't become who you are without the trampoline of pain sometimes. <laughs> right? And yeah. so what you've done is entrained your mind to stay in a higher state of a higher vibration. Gratitude is. That's one of the side effects, if you will, of what came for this for me. And people tend to get what they need. You know, yeah. everybody needs different things. And, and as long as they don't try to direct, you can if you want. I have a protocol for directed manifestation if people want that. But I find that it's better just to go with the flow and you're on the right track if it's feeling good and you're on the wrong track if it doesn't. So Exactly. And so to start to pay attention to what's going on inside, which yeah. is empowering. <laughs> very much so and everybody has that ability no matter where you are in life no matter how you feel in life everybody has that ability yeah so you also have a track for insomnia which is or for well i have systems it's for sleep it's, it's important yeah. it's important to realize that i have systems uh i do not have a track for this and a track for that and a track right, for this and right. a track for that I do have inside of systems tracks that have semi-specific purposes, but without the system, none of the tracks work as well as they can work if you use them as part of a system, because that's how the brain works. Uh, a lot of people have prosperity programs or this program or that program, and most people don't get the full benefit because there's more than one spoke on a wheel. There's more than one leaf on a tree. If you have a tree with only one leaf, it's not going to photosynthesize a lot of energy and the tree is probably going to die. But a tree that has many leaves will photosynthesize all kinds of light into all kinds of energy, which will allow the tree to thrive. It's the same thing with you and your brain. So treating the concept of romance because you don't have a relationship is part of the issue, but maybe there's other issues too. So that's why I'd rather exercise your whole mind instead of just part of your mind. Just like going to a health club, you're not likely just to do curls with five pound weights and then go home. Yeah. You may be going to ride a bike or do some jogging or walking or stair climbing or, you know, and maybe some push-ups, maybe some sit-ups. You want to exercise the whole, you know, structure as opposed to just a piece. So yes, I do have a recording called Good Night Sleep Well, which is part of my quantum mind method. I do have neural synergy. I have Eden Energy, which is designed to give you energy, but also to stop the negative reflexive thoughts from repeating themselves all the time. I've got the whole brain gratitude meditation, which helps to instill a sense of gratitude and training for that. Uh, emotive brainwave hypnosis, which helps you from the ups and the downs of your emotional swing. Uh, you know, a bunch of bonuses, a whole bunch of subliminals too. I mean, but when they're all used as a system over time, that's when you get the best results. Much like with exercise, if you exercise just one part of your body, you're not likely to gain benefits or good benefits or holistic benefits just from one thing. So with the quantum mind method, it also has a system. Uh, it has what I call targeted mini systems because I believe that you know what's best for you on some level. So the idea is let the system help you to discover that and then take action. But some people might have specific issues that they want to deal with specifically. So I have targeted mini systems that address those concerns that they can use in place of the main recordings when they want to address those specific cases. I have a new technology that I released called VI, which stands for visual image entrainment. That particular system are three minute videos that are designed for instant results. So if you watch the active one, 
you'll feel more energized. If you watch the happy one, you'll feel happier. Uh, you know, regular use and over time, it can help bring long-term results. But for those cases where you're going into a meeting and you need to be you know, prosperous and your thinking patterns are confident, these three-minute videos that you can watch with headphones on your smartphone before you go in can give you that added jump and added you know, oomph that you need to accomplish what you need to accomplish and literally to have an unfair advantage over your fellow competitors for the different jobs, the different types of things that you might be doing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine they put you in the moment and mm -hmm. very much in touch with the, you know, your, your more powerful higher self than your Yeah. Higher. Because it's you. Aligned. It's not me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you stay in a stress state, you're very scattered and you know, it's, it's a different. And you're selfish. Yeah. You're very selfish in a stress state, which is interesting because being selfish actually makes you more stressed. Yeah. It's the site. Everything's a cycle, right? Depression's a cycle. Pain's a cycle. Everything's a cycle. And once we understand that we can take actions to kind of break the chain as it were. Yeah. Take you out of the gutter and back onto the main road. Nice yeah. smooth road instead of the lumpy gutter. Yeah. So where uh, let's leave this with a gem of information and where, where do you see going that's like just the, the state that you, you know, is a beautiful state to be in. I see everybody's natural state to be in a state of meditation all the time. Happy. Now those people around you will say you can't be happy all the time. But it's not about being happy all the time. It's about, sorry, I, I wasn't aware that that was going to ring here. I apologize. But yeah, well, it's my computer for some reason. It has this ability to take phone calls. And it's very strange. I don't know how to turn that off. I've never tried, but I'm going to figure it out after this for sure. Because <laughs> I turned my phone off, but then it transferred it to the computer. But anyway, I believe everybody can feel good. And it's not a matter of feeling good all the time, but it's a matter of being able to get back to good all the time. Because look, stuff's going to happen in everybody's life. It's going to bring us down. There's no question about it. But it's, it's not a matter of what brings us down. It's a matter of mastering what brings us back up afterwards. Yeah. And that's, that's the, you know, a thought that I'd like to instill in everyone. Always look for the lesson in everything you define as bad, because quite frankly, nothing is bad. Believe it or not, disease isn't bad. Death isn't bad. Only how we define it gives something its power. Uh, very quickly to help you understand what I mean by this, because people are going, come on, disease is bad. Death is bad. Let me, let me explain it to you in a way that makes more sense. Jane, you own a dog. Actually, Jane, you own a horse because you have a beautiful horse next to you. So you own a horse. And I visit you, say, once every month. And when I visit you, you let me pet the horse and talk to the horse. And it's wonderful. I love your horse. You love your horse too. Now, uh, the next time I come visit, your horse got hit by a car and he unfortunately had to be put down. And you are sad and you are crying and, and it's horrible feeling. And I feel horrible too, because I loved your horse too. But you know what? When I go home 10 minutes later, my life feels more or less normal again. You still feel horribly sad until you deal with your grievance, uh, the grief, right? Same event, exactly the same event, but to you much more important, much sadder than for me because I didn't have the same emotional ties that you had. 
This is what I mean by things are bad or not bad based on your definition of them. Because the horse wasn't mine and I didn't play with the horse every day and I didn't ride the horse every day, I didn't have the same kind of attachment that you had. Because I didn't have the same kind of attachment, the horse's death was different for me than it was for you. It wasn't that we defined it as a good thing or a bad thing, but it was that it was a very sad thing for you. It was a very sad thing for me, but I didn't have the same emotional attachment. So the sad thing for me goes away much faster. That's the understanding that I want to get into people's heads. When something bad happens, it's only bad because you define it that way. It's natural, actually. All these things are natural. So they're not really bad, but in our frame of reference, they are. We've all lost people close to us over the years, and it was hard. But now we can talk about them and smile and remember the good times, whereas at the time, maybe we couldn't. That's all I'm saying. There is really no such thing as good or bad, only how we choose to define it as such. So there's always something that we can learn from it. There's something we can get out of it. And we can think about the good times and the good things. We don't have to dwell on the negative things. And so I just like to open that up for yeah, people's minds to hopefully understand that. It's all on focus. And yeah. same with illness. So an illness is just trying to speak to you that something is in discord. Yeah. Yeah. So you see that also as, as a positive thing. Well, it's not a positive thing when you, or it doesn't feel like a positive thing when you're experiencing it, but wouldn't it be interesting if when we go to whatever's next, assuming there is something next, if we had intelligence of knowing that we were here first, I wonder how many of us would be thinking to ourselves at that moment, why was I fighting against this so hard? Because we really don't know what's next. And yet we're afraid of it like crazy. So that's a lesson to learn. Why do we always have to be afraid of the unknown? Why can't it be something wonderful? So many times things have entered my life that I had no idea what to expect and they ended up being the best things in the world. So how do we know that what is next isn't a best thing in the world? And how do we know that a lifetime of pain now is really only a fraction of a second in our total experience? When we start opening our mind to these possibilities, because I don't know, I'm just hypothesizing, but when we open our mind to these possibilities, I think it makes it easier for us. Because then we have benefits, we have options as opposed to just fear. Yeah. And fear is like pain. It's letting you know you're thinking about the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's all about focus. Yeah. Maury, how do people get in touch with you? Well, they can reach me by either Googling my name or going to themorimethod.com. Uh, basically, those are the two best ways to get in touch with me. They can email me if they like at themorimethod, that's T-H-E-M-O-R-R-Y-M-E-T-H-O-D at gmail.com. Or they can call me if they like. I'm happy to speak with them at 1-416-876-7939. Beautiful. And I'll put all of that in the description for our conversation. Nice. Thank you so much, Maury, for your deep understanding of the way we can walk better in this world. And for everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Just go be you and be the wave. <laughs>